All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. What's happening, Nasty? What's up, Rigorelia? Besides your writing, which is tough to read. Only old penmanship. I'm working on it. I know, buddy. What's up, man? This is it. Happy to be here. Yep. A little different uh, format today with the Zoom. Yes, but it was great. Yeah. Um, great time. Uh, first of all, before we get into this week's episode, I, I have to say, I have to go back a few weeks to check it for charity. I did come back with some hardware. The brew team that I played for, the 50 and over, um, we won the championship. And you acted like you didn't know about it. Well, I knew you were cheating on uh, Nasty Knuckles squad playing on two teams in the same tourney, but you never told me you won a championship. We did win it. Uh, great time. And the boys let me know about it the other day. Oh, sure. And I, how the hell did you forget to I, mention I that? actually don't know how I did not mention that because it was actually a lot of fun. Um, we, had a, we had a great time. The whole tournament was great. But I thought you saw the picture. I posted me and Elvis with the big trophy. Uh, rings are coming soon, I guess, from what uh, Cassio and uh, Eddie Hoffman were saying. But, uh, yes, we did go? win, and it was great. I appreciate them in- inviting me and letting me play on the team. Well, 
Congratulations, Nas. Thank you. I appreciate Next it. Next year, you're going to have to save a little energy for Nasty Knuckles' team. I think you're yeah, I'm gonna burning be, yourself out. I'm going to be in even better shape next year, All right. and it'll be a lot easier. All right. I think I I'm going to be behind the bench for the other league. I, I just don't know if I can over do that anymore. Over 50 or over 60? No, not over 50. Not the 50 over, but the, the over 35. 35? All right. Yeah, I have a tough time keeping well, up so with you So you got guys. about a year or so to get yourself in shape and get yeah. those pins moving. Yeah, got to get them going. Got to get them going. Any tucks? Uh, I did. I yeah. did have, I don't know if I had two. I know I had one. I think I had two, and I did have a few apples. Yeah, because was Toby easy. sauce. So, yeah, the Toby had a lot to do with it. A few sauces. <laughs> few, Always few, does, right? Yeah, it does. Definitely with me, for sure. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, did actually get some points. I actually had points. I had two points in our first game with Nasty Knuckles. Not because I really did anything. I think they bounced off of me and went to went to a couple guys and they scored. But uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I did fail to mention that. So, boys, I apologize. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. So, Oh, yeah. Always fun when you win, Nash. It is. It is. It's a lot different. Yeah, even if it's with the old fogies. Why you got to call us that? Uh, See? You know, I'm just joking. You, you'll be that. there sooner than you think. Oh, I know. Ten years, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> I won't be able to keep up with the over 35. Oh, man. Well, what's going on in Flyerland? A couple signings since yeah. last week? Yeah, a few signings, which is good. Wade Allison um, being the, probably, I want to say, the biggest. I um, was glad to see him get signed. Yeah. I, I love him. I know he's had some – he's been plagued with some injuries, uh, even in school when he was in college there. But um, he is a, he is a flyer-type player, yeah. I believe. Um, we've character. talked about him before. Yeah, he plays hard. He's got skill. He plays the right way, so um, hopefully that's going to work out well. He signed a two-year deal, and a uh, couple other signings as well. Linus uh, Hogberg, yeah, one-year deal, and Hayden Hodgson. Yep, kind of come out of nowhere, right? I mean, played yep. several years in the East Coast League. Had a, obviously a pretty strong year with Lehigh last year, squeezing yep. six games with the Flyers. And props to him. He yep. signed a two-year that's deal. Good. You know, coming out of the woodworks like that. Yeah, uh, congratulations, boys. Um, but uh, you know. Obviously, he'll land up with Lehigh, and hopefully there's, there's not as many injuries in the past couple of years, but, yeah. uh, you know, if, if that does occur, you might get a sniff. We'll see. Yep. But, uh, you know, a couple signings since last episode. Yep. And in other news, um, you know, one of the arguably the best goaltenders uh, on the planet and my only NHL goal, Carey Price, is uh, apparently out for the season, which is a huge blow. That is, that is not what you want to hear if you're the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, obviously missing basically all of last year. Yeah, it's a tough season. You know, it's uh, two years away from the game. That's I can't imagine. Uh, could you imagine when you stepped that you know, you retired from playing and then two years later you went by? It's got to be a lot. Oh, um, man. I, that would be tough. So it's a shame to hear that too. Um, hopefully he's, you know, recovers and maybe gets to play again, hopefully. Because he's, like you said, arguably one of the best goalies in hockey. Yeah. You know, when you get banged up, especially at that age, you just don't recover quite the same. Right. You know? The body always – it always leaves a stain after every injury. But I think once you get older, it's just – especially at that position where everything is so precise and it's a knee injury. So, you know, every movement is – you know, stems from the legs and knees, obviously. Exactly. So hopefully – he can recover and find his game. It's a challenge, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's nothing that the first player to ever have to go through this. So just wish him the best. But a huge blow to Montreal, obviously, when you lose a tender of that caliber. Anything else, Nast? I think that's about it. It's been uh, fairly quiet. 
Yeah. Um, you know, this week uh, our guests were just unbelievable. The host for Raw Knuckles podcast. Yeah. Um, Chris Nyland Knuckles and uh, Tim Stapleton, just one of the funniest guys. I yeah, love that he guy, man. Funny He's dude. awesome. Um, really cool talking with them and uh, listening to both stories, you know, and uh, pretty cool. I really enjoyed these guys. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I, Chris Nyland is the original Knuckles, man. He is. You know, this guy is uh, legendary in his own right, in his own right, and his amazing story of resilience, and just uh, it was nice to connect with him. And yeah. again, uh, Tim, I'd never met Tim before, but uh, seen a couple of his interviews, and what a, what a funny dude, sarcastic, oh my God, he's witty, so funny. I think he's a lot like me. We have a little yeah, bit of the same yeah. tendencies where we're a little hyper. We we go about on five five different directions. At yeah, once, a little but, tangents here and there, but yeah, I like him a lot. It was awesome to connect with it's those awesome. guys, and I think we're ready to rock, dude. Let's do it. Episode 84. Let's, Let's go. go. All right, welcome back. I'm Riley Cote. And I'm Derek Settlemeyer, and this week we are pleased to have the two hosts from the Raw Knuckles podcast. I feel like they're family. Of Nasty course. Nasty Knuckles, Raw. The legitimate, yeah, real Knuckles Real here. Knuckles <laughs> as well. He's, he's the dad here. But uh, <laughs> please welcome Mr. Tim Stapleton and Chris Knuckles Nyland. Guys, what is up? Not much. Thanks for having us. How you guys doing? Doing well, man. We're uh, it's a pleasure having you two on, man. Uh, watch your show, listen to it. Uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, really enjoy it, and uh, a lot of good guests as well. Yeah, um, we've got pretty uh, lucky actually um, with the guests. Hang on, I, I've got some shit going on. There we go. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Um, right? There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, just over the years, all the guys I met, you know, uh, guys I played with, guys I played against, I met at different functions, old-timer games, and uh, reaching out, and pretty much everybody um, has been really receptive to it, and, it, you know, it's a good thing, you know, taking advantage of some of those uh, relationships I made over the years, and um, a good thing. Like, we had Lemire on, Tim and I. We saw that. And Jacques Lemire... He does not do one fucking thing. He, he hates the media. He hates doing anything like that. We had him for like two hours and 40 minutes, right, oh. Tim? He, fuck, we couldn't get yeah. him off. <laughs> <laughs> He's just craving he to talk to somebody. Sta- he had nine, sta- nine Stanley Cups. I had zero playoff games. So we, had we, we had a lot to relate to. No, he was great. He was great. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. that. And I, saw, I also saw, I think, Timmy, you were down in Florida maybe golfing or something when you had uh, Pepe Lemieux on there. And uh, he said the same. He said, you know, I don't usually do these things, but for you, Knuckles, you know, he would do it. I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Well, um, the, yeah, the Pep, the Pep was awesome, right? Yeah, you was. know, he, he scored a big goal in 86, um, a few big goals, but the one against Hartford, game seven, yeah. uh, you know, they scored with a minute left in regulation, and they had the momentum going into OT, and then old Pepe fucking stuck it right up their ass, thank God, because <laughs> – I got an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. And it, it, he was, that yeah, it was 1-2 on my voting. Patrick Warren, him. Claude Lemieux scored five game winners, I think three in overtime or four. Like, he had as much to do with that victory as Patrick did. But, yeah, yeah. Pep's awesome guy. Yeah. Awesome. I, I got to ask. Him when I, when, Go ahead. When I, when, I play, when I play with him, I didn't care for some of the things he did. <laughs> right, I'm sure. Oh, well. He's scoring big goals like that. You can turn a blind eye, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I got to ask how you guys came together. You, you know, you, you, different eras, you know, 24 age difference there. How do you guys come together for a podcast? Uh, Nux just called ahead, me. Was, yeah, Nux was just like, hey, you're doing a podcast. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's just, uh, you know, after my career, I, you know, my life kind of just some things I needed to change in my life. And, um, you know, we kind of crossed paths through the through the NHL and, and some things uh, that the NHL offers. And we kind of, yeah. And then Nux and I kind of crossed paths. And it was, you know, he was transitioning into doing something different and had this podcast and kind of threw it at my table and I had nothing kind of going on, but it was obviously an honor for me. But um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it is different, right? Like you, like you said, it's like the age difference. Like he fought people. I fought the puck. Like, just, you know I mean? like, like it's a lot of opposites, but it, it's been working it, it's been working well. And um, I've been having a lot of fun with it for sure. Yeah. It looks yeah. like you guys are yeah. having fun with it for sure. <laughs> Yeah, we, um, again, you know, I met quite a few guys that I considered to do this and um, had, had, I never met Tim up until maybe a few months ago. We um, met in Pittsburgh at the production company we work with, but we met online on Zoom. And, um, you know, Tim, pretty funny kid, uh, (laughs) self-deprecating at times, younger. I liked him. I liked uh, what he was doing and trying to, certainly straighten his life out because I went through the same stuff and, um, you know, we kind of hit it off and I, I think I surprised him a little when I asked him, but, um, yeah, it works well. You know, we had a little nervous start, the two of us, it's starting a new venture. It's not easy. And then, you know, the more we did it, the more we felt comfortable and, you know, we got a good thing going the two of us. So we're, we're having fun. Yeah, you, you can see it when you watch and uh, listen to your episodes. You, you guys work really well together, and it, it's a lot of fun to, to listen to you guys. Um, I kind of went through the same thing. I didn't play the game, but uh, I grew up in hockey. My dad was a trainer with the Flyers for a really long time, and then I was fortunate enough to get into the game right after I finished college. So I worked for 26 years in uh, hockey, and this was new. Riley and I, you know, he had uh, retired, became a coach, and we just got together and – Said, why don't we try this? And neither one of us know what the hell we're doing. We're we're about eighty four <laughs> yeah. in now, but it's it's a lot of fun. And and listening to you guys is 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 a lot of fun as well. Is really. it no, Sudsy? I, is Sudsy your dad? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good guy. The you one know, and I was only. Say like I was gonna say that. Uh, yeah, like how is it for you guys? Because like, um, I don't know. It's it's like you can get better at this. And it's like, you know, early on, like, I still struggle with, like, hearing my own voice. So it's oh. kind of like you guys, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I hear my voice. I'm like, this guy is fucking annoying. <laughs> myself, you no, know? But I like, can't it, watch it. it me? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt go you. Ahead. I was just saying I, I have a hard no, time no, go ahead. Go watching. Ahead. Yeah. I have a hard time watching myself yeah. or listening to myself. Mostly what I'll see are, like, the clips that our social media guys put out. But uh, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Yeah. Like any yeah. skill, right? You yeah. just get the reps in and you just keep doing it. You keep doing it. You get better naturally. It's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun and you learn a lot about communication and structuring questions properly and you know, keeping it simple and not, uh, you know, just not speaking too much when you're trying to get something out of somebody, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> right? You or, just, or just saying, just, you're like, oh, I notice I say fuck every two words. <laughs> maybe, I should, yeah. maybe I should stop doing that. I'm so yeah, f- no, I, I hear you. I'm so fucking hyper. I have to like try to bite my tongue a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. You may say something and I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, fuck, yeah. settle down, man. Settle down, Nast. 
Yeah. You, you know, it, it's funny. I, when I came back here after I got sober, I had not, I came back here cause I had an opportunity at TSN in the radio with Mitch Melnick. Anyway, I got my own show after being here for a couple of years and I was working with this other kid, Sean Campbell, who was awesome. And I'm telling you, I was scared shit the night before my first show. My girlfriend, Jamie, said to me, what the hell? I've never seen you like this. I said, well, I'm going on the air tomorrow. I don't know what the hell. Like, I've never done radio. You got to watch the clock. It's a three-hour show. You know, you, you, you got segments. You got to, you got to, you know, know what you're talking about. You just don't go on and blab. You have to, you know, have some substance. And then... You know, you're leaving one segment going in. You got to hook the people for the next segment. So I didn't know any of that. And if I listened, and I haven't listened to like my first episode, I haven't. And I can only, I can only imagine how how fucking bad it was. And <laughs> Mitch Melnick, who's been in the radio for years, yeah, Melnick is just incredible. But. I was sitting there one day before the show and I was writing my questions down. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just getting my questions ready for my guests. You know, he said, would you fucking stop? I mean, what? He said, just have a conversation, have a couple things, you know, about that person, do a little homework, get, get it in your head and then listen. Don't talk. Listen, you ask your questions and listen and then play off the next. And I'm telling you, that helped me so much because I was always felt under the gun. I'm writing my questions down. What am I going to say? <laughs> Fucking my ass was tight like before a hockey game. And, <laughs> and, and, and it, it just, from there, that was the best piece of advice I got. Have a conversation, listen to who you're talking to, and then just go from there. And that helped me a whole lot. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the skill of listening is, is critical. Uh, and obviously in all communication, but especially when you're trying to interview somebody, right? <laughs> you can find yourself yeah. talking over people pretty quickly. Uh, it is a skill. Listening is a skill because I suck at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people do. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like thinking about what I'm going to say. And then it's like, I forgot what the guy was even talking about. <laughs> yeah, or the guy. You know what I'm like? I do that all the time. <laughs> it's, but I'm learning. I'm learning. hundred percent. We all are. Um, Knuckles, you, you, you mentioned it a couple of times and it was one of the things I wanted to bring up at some point. So since you opened up the can of worms about your sobriety and then it sounds like Tim, you maybe went through your own version of that. Can you talk about that? Cause I feel like we all got our own story with substance abuse in one way, shape or form. I think it's plagued society. It's certainly plagued the sports world. Um, uh, you want, you want to talk about that yeah. because it's such an yeah. important thing with the mental health crisis that we're all in. It seems like just people just need some hope. Yeah, the real um, pandemic is the the drug one, not fucking COVID. I can tell you yeah, that. Yeah, right. No um, shit. <laughs> when you look at what's going on with what's coming over the border, the fentanyl, uh, the drug dealing doctors that are out there, but and, and not to point the finger because the finger gets pointed right here. Listen, I, I had numerous injuries. I've had over three surgeries on my body. Um, while I played in the NHL, I didn't do drugs. I drank a lot. Um, I did a few summers when I went back to Boston and I'd be out late with my friends, all my guys I grew up with fucking someone break out the Coke and I'd end up doing it. And I fuck, I hated Coke cause I had that, you know, get up the next morning, the fucking guilt. And, uh, and plus my jaw went like, a, you know, I was like, <laughs> grinding your teeth right. down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. I, you know, everybody, you know, you walk. People just fucking know. Look at Knuckles. He's all fucked up. And, you know, 
drinking, <laughs> drinking. I didn't give a shit because I had the buzz on. I'm like, who cares? Whatever. But you know what? It wasn't often. And like I said, a few times during the summer. When first time I, I, I really took any opiates was when I was in the first grade. I broke my leg skiing, uh, ended up in the hospital, and they had to stay overnight. They, they kept me there, and they ended up, you know, giving me painkillers. And then I had a big surgery in high school. I had all the college taken on my knee, and I was in the hospital for two weeks back then. And, fuck, I was on the shit the whole time there. And I, I liked it. Fuck, I liked the feeling it gave me. Anyway. Fast forward, then my career ends, the surgeries. The one time I took Percocet during my NHL career, I broke my arm in Montreal, went into the net. I broke my, snapped my arm bone in half. And, um, you know, I had to fly home, so they didn't cast me. Uh, I had to get cast in New York. So they gave me a ball of Perks and boom. I took them. I ended up throwing up on the general manager on the way to the hospital in the cab. I was fucking sick as a dog. Anyway, fast forward, my career ends, surgery after surgery, and you know what? I, I just couldn't wait to get the pills, uh, you know. Uh, it got to the point where I really didn't know how to get out of what I was in. You know, I was taking, like, crazy amounts of Percocet, and then, of course, OxyContin came along, and that started slowly. I was taking them um, orally, and then eventually um, – you know, taking the coating off and snorting them 10 80s a day would be nothing for me. Wow. It was like wow. craziness, crazy. And then, you know, I ended up, um, it, you know, they, they got made it more difficult to get the drugs. Doctors were starting to, the government was starting to uh, come down on all the doctors and uh, DEA. And so, uh, you know, when I was so sick and I couldn't get drugs, I ended up on heroin. Um, wow. and, uh, I started snorting it and, you know, that was fine. It took the pain away. It took the sickness away. And then eventually, um, I ended up with a needle in my arm and, um, yeah, it was not good. So yeah, I ended up all alone, um, in a hotel room, fucking on the floor, a mess overdosed and, uh, yeah, just not a good place. So again, it, t- it takes you where it takes you and that's where it takes you. Hotel rooms all alone by yourself. No one to, to, to communicate with, no one to talk to. The only people you talk to is your drug dealer and the few people that are fucked up along with you. Yeah. yeah. But, but there's a way out. Yeah. There's a way out. God bless you, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. You survived it. And, uh, mm-hmm. fuck, I mean, not, I mean, it sounds like the numbers are working against most guys, right? I mean, most people's, most people don't get out of that cycle especially when you go that that dark right it's uh it's, it's it just robs you of your yeah, spirit yeah lucky to be alive um, awesome. and i think tim I, I don't want to speak for him but we have some similarities for sure in that area yeah uh you know for me um i don't know it's just like you become too like you you know i got somewhat similar just and that's the thing about all this is like I think people try to compare stories and, and it's really not, you know, at, at the end of the day, you're going through the same thing, whatever, whatever it is. Um, for me, it was just, you become so alone and that's the thing too. And then you become, I was just becoming a version of myself, you know, with the, my kids and just my everyday, when I got done playing hockey is when I really, 
just every day was just, you know, I like to have fun. That's, that was my thing. Like I, you know, I was a guy that, you know, and I don't have anything against, you know, if you drink or anything like that, I'm not against that. I'm, I don't judge that. It's just for me, I was becoming somebody. It was like, I was spending every day, like telling everyone I was okay when I really wasn't, you know, you're like living this lie. And, and then, you know, the only real hope though, is just you, you there is hope. But the only real hope for me, at least, um, and what I understand is you can't get out of it but alone. Like you have, you know, and getting help is a, it's such a, you know, it's, it's a good thing. I think, you know, we all look at it, especially, you know, Chris being a little bit older and, um, you know, more back in the day, like my dad, like getting help was like a sign of weakness, mm-hmm. but it, it's really not. I mean, it's, it's, it's a strength. It's hard to do that. It's hard to like you know, admit that like, I have no idea, right? Like I'm wrong. Um, and for me, yeah, eventually I just kind of, yeah, I just like surrendered almost and was just like, you know, asked, asked the NHL for help and, um, it started, you know, kind of, it's been a little bit over three years for me, but it's, it's not something you ever, um, like you said, you use that word survive, you do survive it, but you never like got it right. Like, it's like, I, I mean, there's days I have where I'm just like, it's easy to go back or at least think that way, like to escape. I didn't like to be me. That was my problem was like, I just, you know, when I found out after a while and doing a lot of work with other people, I found out a lot about myself and just where things come from and, and who I am. And, and I can honestly say like, I, I love who I am. You know, it's just, I think I have a self-acceptance issue that uh, I still deal with, Um and I think early on, uh, like I said, I like to have fun, but those early on times and, you know, when I would drink or do whatever, uh, it made me believe I could be somebody that I couldn't be. Right. And eventually you become, you know, your tolerance goes up, you become dependent on things. And like I said, I was just down this road of like really believing like this is who I'm supposed to be. Um, and that's not true. And there's a lot of things that are not true. Um, but I am a firm believer to take, you, you know, you take things, eventually, you know, that happened to you and they happened for you. Right. And I think that's really um, the ultimate thing is I can look back. I don't feel sorry for myself or I don't anything like that. I'm, I'm actually, you know, this is what I had to go through. And, and there's a lot of people that, that go through shit. Uh, so for me, um, and the funny, the crazy thing is with Nux is like he, I, I've told him this is, you know, I, I watched it. He's at that documentary and I watched that, um, back in like 2012 and I remember kind of relating to it at that time um in the last gladiator right I think it was and uh I remember I don't know at that time I kind of was you know I didn't have a problem then right you always think you don't have a problem and that's the other thing is how do you know when you have a problem and and I think that's a big thing is people just don't know right like they just I've had people ask me like, Hey, am I an alcoholic? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I can't (laughs) tell you if you, you know, I can't tell you got to really kind of, you know, only, you know, and I think that's a big thing if I were, and this is just my opinion, but is like, how do you know? And I guess for me, it's just like when you're, when you're doing things that you don't really want to do, especially when it comes to like substances and stuff, like I just felt like I was doing things or I continuously was doing I didn't want to do that. Like eventually I was like waking up and I was like, I don't want to do this, but I just kept doing it. Right. And, and I knew I was in trouble, but, um, you know, I got lucky. Uh, and eventually I just like kind of let go and was just like, I'm out. Like I, I can't go this way, but I can't do this. I can't figure this out. And luckily I came across the right people. And when I was watching Nux's documentary, I remember that was 2012. And, and 
I was like, man, I wish, you know, he said some things in there that kind of related. And I just was like, eh, that's not me. Right. But fast forward nine years later, I hear I am doing a podcast mm-hmm. with them. And, and, <laughs> and then awesome. that wasn't, pl- that wasn't planned. Right. Like it was right. kind of like a, something that just kind of was, you know, meant to be. And when he asked me, I mean, it was kind of, I, I had no choice. I really do believe that mm-hmm. in a really, really, you know, great way of just um, being very thankful. So it is truly just trying to find uh, people that relate. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can go on and on about it. it is, you know, I'm not here to save the world either. Right. Like I'm just here to tell you what, what happened to me. And hopefully that does give the hope. I think that's such a strong word. It is really hope. It's not like I'm going to have answers for you. It's just saying like, Hey, this is what happened to me. And, and if you can relate to it, like there is a way out. Um, but it is, it's not easy, but it is better. It is better for sure. So I'm very lucky. I'm grateful. I'm trying to do this thing just one day at a time, like they say. And I can honestly say like, there's more value in my life as me as a person. Like I used to walk around my kids and feel like they're better off without me. Like that's how dark and, mm. and lonely you can get. Um, but you know, that's, that's what, you know, addiction and all that stuff can bring, bring a person to. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be here. And uh, obviously I appreciate the questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And, yeah. um, I think you both alluded to the probably the most powerful piece is, is, is asking for help, right? It's, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And I think we've all grown up in a culture where just bury it, just tough it out. Right. And there's some things you just can't tough out in life and you, you need that, you need that assistance, right? You need to be vulnerable. And that's when, you know, the support system starts surrounding you. I, I've dealt with this in my own way. Um, and, um, I realized a lot of this was, you know, transitioning from the game into the real world of like, who, who am I? Like, you know, my identity is attached to a sport. And then, you know, for me, just like Nux, like attached to the, you know, the superhero gladiator type figurehead we've created for ourselves. So, you know, our whole identity is embedded in uh, an egocentric being, if you will. So now you have to find yourself. Right. And I think that's part of yeah. where the substance abuse lies too. It's like, who am I in this, in this, well, it's the, it's, I'm still transitioning. I feel like, you know, I made, I was lucky to make enough money to like, kind of like be done playing, figure it out. Like I didn't make enough money. I had shitty line mates. I always say this. Right. Like, right. Like if I had better line mates, you know, no, but no, but I'm still trying, like you lose a sense of purpose. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think it doesn't matter how much money you made it. Like I've talked to guys that made a lot of money. It's just like, what do you do with your time? And I think we're, we're given, and this is in all walks of life, but when you have, that structure given to you, like, Hey, be on the bus at eight, be do this yeah. at nine. Like once the next day I wake up and you're telling me I got to make my structure and all that. And I know that's, that's real. And that's, that's part of it. But like, I didn't know how I'm still trying to figure out how. So like the easy thing for me was just to not fucking care. Right. So it was just, you know, and that's kind of the route I went down and, and yeah, it, it the transition's real. I mean, and, and like I said, I, I don't, say like you have to be a professional athlete to, to go through it. I think it goes through anything, but just really trying to find what is your purpose. And I try to find that out like on a daily basis, like just managing, you know, my priorities over, over time actually. Cause I mean, there's days where I can just be like, fuck, I did nothing. Like what, what am I doing? Right. But it's all, um, yeah, you know, you're, you're learning. I just keep learning the best I can. Yeah, that <clears throat> transitioning part, there's no question that it's difficult. You know, you leave and you ask guys, 
always ask guys, hey, what's you missed a game? Like, ah, not really. I missed a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, lot exactly. Of them. Right. You missed the camaraderie. Exactly. And uh, you don't have that anymore. And you search when you're out of it. I found that camaraderie in a bar room, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggled for a while. I was never happy in what I was doing. You'll never find anything that will replace what you did. The thing you love to do with your life. I have to retire at a young age, 34 years old, retired. What do I do now? You know, I worked for John Hancock in Boston Olympic projects. That was a pretty good job, but only lasted a couple of years. I got into insurance business. I fucking hated it. You know, they told me I wouldn't be good at it. Uh, you take a personality test before, and the guy said, no way, I'm there, fuck off, I can do this. <laughs> I, I did it for about four months, and I'm like, fuck this. Like, selling insurance? Like, fuck, and <laughs> see you later. And, you know, I just, I never got comfortable in anything I did. And um, then I got into that whole, got all spun up with the drugs, and and all bets were off. And, you know, this opportunity I got back here after I got sober, I finally changed my life around and embarked on that journey. And, um, you know, you know, I had kind of that sense of purpose again. And, and, and I had that commitment of having to be ready every day and, you know, going to, uh, going on the air every day, doing my homework and, 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 you know, it was good. And then, you know, obviously losing that job was not fun. And then now this one. So it's, it's, it seems like I'm transitioning a lot in my life. It seems like my whole life has been transitioning. And, um, and, and one day I'll transition to the grave and that's it. And, you know, I just want to, the rest of the way here, what time I have left on this earth, I just want to live a good life, spiritual life, uh, be good to other people. I don't want to, not looking to hurt another human being. I always try and get through every day, trying to help somebody else and not get caught, you know? And, um, it's not the easiest thing to do. And sometimes I'm successful at it and sometimes, but, uh, I, I try and today, um, give of myself a whole lot more, um, in other ways than just, you know, when I look back, drop my gloves and sticking up for my teammates. Yeah, it, you know, yeah, yeah, real quick, real quick. Sorry, sorry. No, no, no sorry, it's okay. I just, no, I was just going to say, Nux used that word change. And I think that was one thing I was going to say, too, is like the, you know, when you think about like, oh, like if I'm not going to, let's say drinking, for example, if you're trying not to drink or you don't want to drink and you start thinking like, what's life going to be like if I don't ever drink anymore? And it's like, I don't know, for me, like not, nothing really changes. Like you, I still go through the same anxieties and all that stuff. Like I still like what changes is you, but man, it's, and everyone's different and, and you know, it takes time. And, and I think, you know, for me, that is the, the hope is like, you know, you will become, and you can become somebody that's just going to handle the things that, you know, you used to run from um, differently and take them on. And, and what Nux is saying too, what I, for me, what's uh, a huge part, it's like, just the be honest. It's like, you can live and be honest. I felt like, fuck, I just felt like I was just like, just lying, you know? Mm-hmm. And not like just so much like, oh, I'm lying to people and, and conning people, but just like being around people and acting like I'm okay, you know? Yeah, and, right. and, and, 
and today, you know, that is different. I can, you know, I still struggle and, you know, it's not like my life's solved. It's unperfect. I mean, I still like, I love to isolate. Like the last thing I want to do is talk to people and, um, I still deal with that, but I do know that, you know, um, if I don't do what I was doing before, like that will pass, things pass. And eventually, you know, I, I do like talking to people, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm kind of rambling here and you don't want me rambling. So go ahead. It's it's great. Uh, Yeah. You're supposed to tell me when to stop talking. Stop talking to people. Timmy, that's that's great, man. I I just had two quick points. I was going to say, uh, when I was a kid, I was fortunate enough. And like I said, uh, my dad, you know, was in hockey. So I, I looked at you guys, you know, as a kid, not being around it as much as I was once I got into the game, like as you're invincible and you don't see, you know, the, the other things that once I got into hockey and into the league, you see everything because you're like a family, you know, you're around the boys, you know, all day, you know, and, and every day basically during the season. And then you start, you know, I started seeing like, geez, man, like he, this guy might have a problem and you start feeling bad. You're, you try to help. You don't want to, step out of bounds you know when you're an equipment manager that's you know that's what I was but uh you know it's got to be hard and then the second thing I just wanted to say was the transitioning even for me even though I I wasn't a player but I was in hockey for like I said 26 years people ask me all the time like I bet you miss it I'm like you know what I miss I miss in the morning the boys coming in sitting in my office and having coffee and talking about this broad or that broad or what happened, you know, and, and just the stories, the way you can talk. And, and I do miss games, but uh, that, that's the biggest thing. Like you said, uh, you know, you miss the, the, the locker room. And it's the same with me, even though I was just an equipment pigeon, you know. But uh, it, it is hard. It's hard. The support system, right? I yeah. mean, that's, that's, that's what's so beautiful about the locker room. And that's, you know, I think most guys, when they, they leave the game, that's the biggest thing they miss for sure. There's no question. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, let's move on from this topic. I appreciate you guys being vulnerable. I know it's a, you know, it's, it's a sensitive subject, but I think it's an important one because, you know, the listeners can certainly learn a thing or two from being vulnerable, you know, and, and there is hope for everybody. Everyone's going through their own demons, uh, you know, their own shit in life. And, um, there, there is, there is hope for everybody, right? It's about quality of life. So, um, and just talking, going back into your career, starting with you, Nux. I um, mean, you know, obviously, one of the toughest dudes to play the game. I loved your style. You know, re- reminded me a lot of myself. You know, just, just, just being, just hungry and game and and all that good stuff. But obviously, you played um, a lot, a lot longer, and um, and just uh, the amount of penalty minutes you accumulated as American American player. It's just talk about your transition from from college and into the pros and and how you you tackle that job because you you're fighting the biggest baddest dudes and you were you know well over 200 300 penalty minutes every single year for uh, consecutively for at least 10 before i think you maybe slowed down because of injuries towards the end there but talk talk about the mindset yeah um it's funny you know when i i left college after my third year it was drafted uh, 231 out of 235 and you know I, I, I didn't know anything about the NHL as far as the draft or anything I was just happy to be drafted I I figured I'm the same as the guy who got drafted in the first round so what I mean we're drafted right um, I was naive and uh, come to training camp uh, nervous hated Montreal uh, be, growing up in Boston and um, ended up Coming to camp, you know, they won four cups in a row. I'm on the ice with all these. I mean, what the fuck am I doing here? And, um, you know, I, I, I was nervous, young kid. And, 
And then I, I went to Nova Scotia and they had a coach there. I got sent to Nova Scotia. They had a coach there, Bert Templeton. Bert was, remember the brawl they had in Russia? Uh, the Canadian world team, Ju- they, yes. the lights went out. Oh, yeah, sure, the yeah. World yeah. Junior, John right? Bert was the coach. He was, um, he was the coach. And Bert Templeton was known for having really tough teams. A lot of guys that could fight. Anyway, he he came in that year because Montreal got pushed around. Well, Nova Scotia got pushed around the previous season against the Flyers farm team in Maine. And they beat him four straight, and they kicked the shit out of him. So he wanted to, you know, the Habs thought they had to get tougher, blah, blah, blah. But they drafted some good-sized guys uh, from the old Alan Luchu, uh, another kid, Dave Allison. And, um, you know, I, would, I, I don't think they <laughs> – had that in mind for me. I was a physical player in college, but I wasn't fighting at all. Anyway, I came in and get sent there. I had a five-game tryout for $200 a game. And um, I didn't play the first four games in Nova Scotia. Our first game on the road was in Maine. So I dressed for that game. Now, um, you know, growing up watching the Bruins play, I, I kind of emulated that style. But I didn't think I was coming in and going to be a fighter. That was the last thing on my mind. Anyway, I ended up hitting guy Glenn Cochran, I'm sure, sure. former yep. flyer, big guy and tough guy, played junior, fought a lot, all that. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have any idea. Anyway, I ran him, and he turned around and shot me, and I – Chopped them back, and then we he drops the gloves. I dropped the gloves, and we end up going. And I cut him pretty bad under the eye. He was fucking bleeding bad. We, he goes nuts. I go nuts. We both get kicked out of the game. Next day, I wake up in the hotel room, and it's the coach on the phone. He's also the GM down there. He says, hey, uh, Chris, uh, come down to my room. I got to talk to you. So I'm like, oh, what the hell? Anyway, he said, listen, do you have an agent? I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, Montreal wants to sign you a contract. You better get a fucking agent and get him quick. <laughs> wow. So I'm like, really? And that's how it started right wow. there. That one fight at a $200 a game fucking five-game tryout thing. And um, that one fight, I had a contract. And then once everybody heard about that in the American League, right, who's this fucking kid who give it to Cochran? And next thing I know um, – Every guy in the fucking league wants to fight me. And <laughs> of course. That, that's how it started. I, I fought almost – I played 49 games there. I had 304 minutes in penalties. And what helped me, I think, get called up, not just that part of it. I had 15 goals and 10 assists. I had 25 points in those 49 games. So they were like, I think maybe this kid can play a little too. And, you know, and then it just took off. And I got called up uh, after, you know, the 49th game. And uh, I never went back, thank God. Wow. Amazing. That's how it started. That's incredible. And then the NHL, yeah, it, it was crazy. Crazy ride. So you weren't a much of, of a, st- a, street, a street fighter in, 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 growing up? Yeah, I, did, I fought a, a, a shit ton on the street. <laughs> yeah, you did, yeah. Up. All right, so you, you, know, you had yeah, it in, yeah. that, But hockey so much, you know, it wasn't. We never really fought in hockey, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing up. And certainly watching the Bruins. You know, like I, I always used to give it a send in, you know, when I had them crazy shit happen in Boston, I'd say, where the fuck's he think I learned how to fucking play? You know, like, 
grew up watching his fucking hockey team. So yeah. what's he expect from me? Go <laughs> yeah. out there and figure skate? <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah. The grade in your DNA. That's how it all started. Yeah. And That's it amazing. just went. It's cool. amazing. Good start. Not a small guy to, <laughs> no, <laughs> to start your career off. Man. Like, my God. Uh, um, but, to, you know, be, being in Montreal, I will say just add to it, being in Montreal, um, you know, they, they had a need for that at the time. Um, the one thing that I'll say about the organization, they didn't want me to just be a fighter. They wanted me to become a player, and they fucking helped me do that. Because I, I got to the point in my career where I was able to be on the ice in any situation, except for killing penalties, because fucking half the time they were killing mine anyway. Yeah. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I was. I ended up, you know, power play in front of the net. I ended up defending leads at the end of the game. I would play with two Hall of Famers and Carbono and Ganey. Like, fuck. Wow. They That's helped awesome. me. They helped me. They had patience with me and helped bring me along as a player. And, you know, being able to cover up, especially in the early going, for some of the mistakes I would make. And um, they eventually, you know, it, it, it was a good ride. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, uh, Tim, I just wanted to pass it on to you. I know you, you, you came you came, played nine games with Portland, and then you landed up signing two years in, in, in Finland. It was an interesting start to your pro career. What, uh, what this made you decide to do that? Uh, <clears throat> I, yeah, no, after college, I, I, yeah, that was a horrible I should have stayed at school. Um, <laughs> no, it was just, I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't drafted. I'm, I'm a very, you know, I'm like five, seven. I, I had a decent college career and then uh, Anaheim was interested a little bit. So they, you know, I did the whole like PTO thing in Portland and yeah, I wasn't asking guys to fight. I was asking for like autographs. I'm like, hey, you got a stick? You can give me after, you know, so me and Nux, me and Nux had a whole kind of different path, but no, I, I did nine games there. It was um, we that was the year we had we had a bunch of guys. We had like Gillies and Kanapka and um, you know, yeah, we had, we had yeah, it was different wow. because I came from. I always tell the first my very first game. I went from like wearing I wore like one of those full like eye tech bubbles like in college where like everyone's tough. To, like, <laughs> yeah, right. I'll, you know, and then on my first game, I remember in Portland like it was <laughs> two guys. I forgot. Um, who, but it was two guys spending all warmups. You know, one of our tough guys and their t- tough guys, and that Pierre Luc LeBlanc, oh, I yeah. think it was, or yeah, yep. LeBlanc, whatever. The Tourneau. And they like these two guys were, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, so they're going around in warmups. Nate Nathan Smith or something on our team, and I'm sitting there stretching. These guys are like just threatening, you know, death on each other, right? And I'm just like, I just got done playing a college game, and I remember I'm like, these guys are like, this is what is going on, here? and like we. In Portland, you had to get get off at the same door, you know, yeah, like, right. like in, after warm. So we're getting off, and these two guys come to the door, and like, um, you know, I'm like, oh my god, like what's gonna happen here? And then like, I, I think the guy on our team was like, hey man, I'm not even playing today. Like he was the extra guy, you know. And then <laughs> Pierre was like, either am I. So here's these two guys. That didn't even, they didn't even. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? So it was, it was different. It was different. Um, but after that, oh. I had, you know, I didn't really have a good stint there. I kind of went back. Um, after that, I, I didn't have any offers, really. I uh, had a couple East Coast offers, but Billy Zito, my agent, um, you know, at the time, he's the GM of Florida, but he yep. had uh, – his thing was sending guys like me who were getting overlooked or who had a chance, but he would send them over to Europe. And, and I went to Finland on a tryout, 
um, made the team. Uh, and then it just so happened the two years I was there was like at the time there was like, there was a hotbed for like Tuka Rask was in the league, Anthony. I mean, it was all these finished goalies getting drafted and I just happened to catch the eye of the Maple Leafs. Um, one of their scouts, they're clearly not coming to see me play. I can guarantee that. <laughs> and, uh, we have, you know, one of my line mates at the time was, uh, I think you had him on, was Vili Leno. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Vila, yeah. yeah. Beauty. And so, like, and we had, a, me and him just had an awesome chemistry and played well together. And, you know, obviously because of him, probably is why I got looked at too. And he went to Detroit and then I went to Toronto and, you know, kind of was up and down a lot, but it got to play a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how everything happened for me for sure. Yeah, you, you had really good numbers there. Um, is it, It's maybe kind of a – I should know the answer to this, but, like, in that style of play uh, back then, it's is more puck possession, right? Like, for you to put that many points up, was that strange or – not really. No, it it was it was uh that's a great question. I think it I think it's changed um but like that at that time fin the Finnish league was like the most nor uh, I guess comparable to like your uh North American hockey. Like okay. it was very very North American at the time and and um yeah, it, it's a bit the rinks are bigger, they're wider, like you know, like when I played in Russia, like I mean, the amount of one-on-one drills we do in practice, it was crazy. And these these Russian guys, they're so skilled cuz that's all we would do. Like our morning skate would be like they would put the nets in like the corner and like make like a gauntlet and we would just be like one on it was a crazy. Like there was always puck protection and like these guys can hang on to the puck. You do have an extra second there where it is about puck protection. You know, in the NHL or, like, North America, like, the puck does the work and it moves a lot faster. There you can you hang on to it. And some of these guys would hang on to it. Like, I mean, <laughs> like they would, like, my – I would have, like, a line mate, like, holding on to the puck, spinning in the corner for, like, a minute. And I'd be like mm-hmm. – he's like, he's like, Tim, were you open? I was like, yeah, like, seven times. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, puck I just, like, keep going back. Yeah, and, you know, these guys – but they're really skilled. But, yes, it's a great question, I think – I don't know what I think the Swedish league eventually like throughout my career, like the Swedish league I when I played in that became the most like North American style, like get the puck to the point, go to the net type style. But um, yeah, it just so happened that, that Finland at the time was most North American style. And that's probably why um, I got that chance. But uh, yes, going back to your original question, this is what I do. You ask me one question. I'm just going to ramble. It's fine. No, it's fine. It's but, fine. It's interesting. But, uh, yeah. No, it's it's definitely you do have an extra second with the puck and you you hang on to it and have a little. Tim bit never dumped the puck. You never no, fucking no, dumped never. the puck in your life. I <laughs> dump you, Chase. You know, <laughs> mentality. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I, no. So it's definitely more puck possession for I, sure. I do. I, I also want to ask you something about your uh, time in Russia. Well, there's a couple things. One, we were dying about the, the whole gas thing. Uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. I saw you with our with our buddies Biz and uh, Witter there. But um, I wanted to ask you about playing for Mike Keenan. I I, I grew up and uh, you know I I, I know Mike. Uh, I was a kid. He was always good to me. I didn't understand why everybody hated him because uh, I didn't know all the the shit that would go on. But how how was it playing for him? I know he was a bit older and uh, maybe had he calmed down at all or was he a little wild. No, uh, he he was uh, like he was like Iron Mike, you know, on steroids because like no one knew on. English. Russian steroids. No one, right? You know what I mean? Like no one would understand what he was saying. To have to, so like he would he would be like yelling at a guy like in his face, like you fucking pussy, you know, be like a Russian guy that didn't know English. So like the Russian guy would like look at me and be like, Tim, what are you saying? I'd be like, you're fucking playing well, buddy. Keep it yeah, up. You know? keep it up. <laughs> you know, so which you know for me, I I I have a, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's he was nuts he was really good at you know he was kind of that old school like not an x's and o's guy he was like a motivator like he was like hey like you're you know he would you know 
say whatever he could to get you to to play and and he always for me it worked I, I think you know I can tell my stories and act like I'm this victim but I'm, I'm joking around I mean a lot of I mean there's they're real situations and like I mean I when I first got there I got traded to the team and and I mean he had me we had like a day and a half before our first game and he had me on like you know I was on a line in uh, practice and then it was like morning skate I was on a different line and then by the time the game sheet came up for like before we went on the ice I was on a different line Jesus. and then it was like I was on like five lines before I actually played my first <laughs> shift and I was like what why you know but that was his thing and he was good at it and you just never knew I think I've heard other players say it before like you just never knew what he was going to say. So you kind of were always just, you know, but I, I, outside of the rink though, he was a really, you know, he was a good person. Like, I mean, he was definitely different. He was like, you know, he just got to the rink and he turned it on and um, there's a reason he's successful at coaching. But I, I, I'm glad I got to play for him. I wouldn't say like I enjoyed it, but it was, uh, <laughs> you know, I grew up uh, watching him like in Chicago. So he was, right. you know, Iron Mike. So it was kind of at we, first I was like, hey, I'm getting coached by Iron Mike. And then like within like five minutes, I was like, I hate Iron Mike. Uh, <laughs> <right. laughs> we no, had him on. Yeah, we oh, did. did. So that's, I met, how did I miss that? I, yeah, I missed I, I was, that. It, it, hasn't it was like I was facing my bully, you know? Like, it yeah. Was, <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. No, it, ha- it hadn't come out yet, um, the okay. episode. And we, you know, we have a bunch in the can that we did and they haven't, we, you know, we've released them one a week, but anyway, it, we had him on and my interaction with him, anytime I met him, he, he was a nice guy, right? I, we talked, I met him a few times in Toronto when I was playing in Boston and they had put me on waivers a couple of times and fuck was getting to be a nightmare. It was my last year. And we're in Chicago and I saw him walking out of the rink. He was in the parking lot. I was taking a cab back and he said, you want to ride? I'm there. Sure. I jumped in the car and I started talking to him. He was awesome. I'm there. Hey, can you get me the fuck out of here? Get me to Chicago. You know, I'll come and play for you. I'd love to. He said, let me see what I can do. Blah, blah, blah. He was awesome guy. We had him on and we got talking with the Tim thing and Russia and everything. So I said, Mike, what's the deal? I said, you know, everybody calls you, I am Mike and, and you're this fucking hot ass. I said, every time I met you, you, you couldn't have been nicer to me. I said, everybody I speak to, so I oh, want a fucking prick. He is. He's the biggest fucking prick. Blah, blah, blah. He said, yeah, well, that's true, but I, I, I'm a nice prick. He said, <laughs> <laughs> like, he gave me the, I'm a nice prick though. And he, he was really gracious with his time. And, and, you know, he had some really good things to say. Uh, he's, a, he's certainly a different bird. I, I like guys that, um, I, I like old school stuff. Like I like Tortorella. I like fucking Sada. I like I am Mike. I think you can get a little too much fucking baby these kids today. Oh yeah, yeah. I honestly, I like to take them fucking iPads and fucking stuff them. Like, <laughs> the fucking you and me both. Sun don't shine, but yeah. you know what? I think some of them. It is. You need a little bit of old school in there. Now, listen, I get some of it a little much. I get that part of it, but. Man, you know, I think some of these kids today could use a dose of fucking old school. They're get, they're getting ready to get a little bit of it here. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. hopefully Torts can know. bring that element to to the squad. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's gone so new school and, and and soft and just coddling guys. And you know, there's a fine line, right? I mean, we're never going to go back yeah. in time to 
you know, the 70s and, and you know, early 80s and that old school. But, you know, there's, there's some things you can never replace with analytics, right? And that's like the, the, uh, the work and the attitude and, you know, yeah. the, the, the intangibles, right? That every coach the talks to the heart, the right? Hot. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree on your point to the iPads. I mean, it's just, it just seems to be a distraction, you know? Like, like, like you know you made a mistake. Just get over and yeah. move on, right? I mean, everyone knows in the building they made we'll a mistake. Look at it between periods, right? Yeah. Fucking, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I thought the the best one was Crida with, um, uh, oh, yeah. He ripped it out of his hands. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's I right. I saw that. that. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. You know, and, and what was even awesome when they talked to him afterwards, how highly he thought of his teammate and how he was almost in tears talking about that. He was, matter of fact, which I found just fucking incredible. But that that kid plays hard, and the other kid does too. Uh, what's his name again? But, not Butch, um, the long haired kid. The Yeah, like when he spoke about that kid afterwards, I was like, and you know, honestly, I was shocked, and I just thought it was awesome. It was awesome to see that because it's true. You know what you fucking did wrong. You want to find out, get ready for your next shift, exactly. go on the fucking ice and be ready to play. Uh, anyway. 100%. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the old school. Obviously, you were probably one of the most old school guys to play. Uh, I, I, we counted 18 fights against the Flyers, uh, maybe Dave Brown five times. We have to hear it mm -hmm. from your side, the, uh, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the historic – and legendary <laughs> flyers and, and Canadians uh, warm up brawl. <laughs> we, we hear well, it from this side. Like my uh -huh. dad was there, obviously, but it's. I just uh -huh. really want to hear it from your side. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was so focused on the playoffs and doing. What I, was, I didn't even know what the fuck Shane and Chloe were doing. Honest to God, I didn't have a clue. I heard. The game before, I heard in Philly they were out there scoring on an empty net or something. I'm like, oh, okay, they're <laughs> superstitious or whatever. Yeah. So I had no idea what was going on. I just went back in the room to get ready for the fucking game because I know chances are I'm going to fight. I want to be ready. I fucking I don't have time for that shit. And I'm in the room, and all of a sudden uh, I have my skates undone, and all of a sudden I hear the uh, Asha come around in the room. Hey, there's a fight. There's a fight. Uh, all right. So I'm like, okay, I tighten my skates up and I, I fucking come out on the ice and, um, at the hospital, I had Peppy down. He was doing the famous turtle and, um, <laughs> shell Samuelson was there, you know, big shell and yeah. he, Riding he was the bus. kind of trying to get, yeah, he was kind of <laughs> getting in my way a little. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to fight this guy because I know, listen, one, he's not a fighter. Two, um, someone's going to end up with one of the, the fucking tough guys, either Stan or, or Dave. So I said, I know everybody's going to be out here. So I didn't bother with him. I kind of pushed him a little and then got away. And then next thing, everybody starts fucking coming out on the ice. <laughs> Keenan, old school Mike, you know, our coach, I'll be honest with you, Jean Perron is fucking dumb as a stump. <laughs> and he, he, you know, <laughs> Knowing all that shit, he should have dressed extra guys. Like, he should have. And and Mike had extra guys for warm-up. You could do it back then. And so we were outnumbered in our own building. And anyway, he came out. 
Dave Brown. And, you know, I always say it. I said, I wish I thought of that coming out with no jersey on. Yeah, like, right. I gave him credit for actually <laughs> yeah. thinking about that. He said, I didn't fucking think about it. He said, I just always take my jersey off. I didn't bother throwing it on. I just had to get out there quick, which he did. And next thing I know, uh, Chelly knew him and tried to keep us apart, you know. He was staying with Dave. And then things got so fucking hot. And then I, you know, I end up with him and uh, I threw a punch at him and away we went. And, you know, I, I, um, that fight went on so long, like we'd rest a little bit and then, you know, we'd go and then I, fuck, I remember I went down once I got right back on my feet and I got up again and then we were resting again and I'm holding the suspenders. I couldn't fucking grab anywhere to stop him and, and, and not so much stop him, get leverage, you know, you know, when you grab a guy, you get good leverage and, I couldn't do it. And so I had his kind of his, his hip pad and um, I had my head right on his shoulder and he whispered in my ear. He said, have you had enough? And I just fucking haul off and threw another punch and away we went again and just nonstop. And finally, um, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I have to look at it to remember it because I forget some of it. But that's one of the big things I remember because I remember he whispered in my ear, have you had enough? And I'm like, no. And I fucking threw another punch and away we went again. But, uh, you know, I had to play the, I, I, I had to play the whole game. I was fucking junk <laughs> from the first shift. I went my, my fucking shoulders, my neck was all tight. Like I, I was, I was fucking drained and I had to play that game. Dave sat in the bench the whole game <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I'm not saying that to fucking put him down or it, but he, he didn't play a lot, right? He never played a lot. And, you know, I, I got to the point where I was, you know, an integral part of that checking line and I was fucking junk the whole game and they ended up beating us and they went on and, um, you know, good on them. But, um, yeah, that was fucking tough. That was a tough one. I, I love I love Dave Brown. I, I met him. He is a fucking sweetheart of a guy. Yeah, I he just, is. And, I, I, and honestly, Daryl Stanley, I fought him a few times. And Stan, I met him at uh, fight night down in Philly there. And I did not realize how fucking big he was. Like man, on the man. ice, I'm like, okay, he's not as big as Brownie, but – Fuck, his hands, the size of his hands, I was like, the first time I met him, I'm like, holy shit. I never, <laughs> I, I, Stan surprised me how big he was. But, you know, yeah, I, you know, I played my, well, my second game in Philly in my career. And that's where I had my first fight with uh, Bob Kelly. Uh, but okay. the hound dog, the hound, the hound dog, yeah. the hound dog, my first <laughs> NHL fight. That was your, but, oh, yeah, that was your first so, NHL fight, the hound. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, amazing but that was crazy yeah Cra crazy um crazy evening uh no question about it the brawl to end all brawls right which is a good thing uh, fuck I, honestly i hated brawls i don't I, I don't care i'll fight anybody anywhere but i <laughs> fucking hated those they're, they're scary look what happened uh right. quebec uh, we had a player john john ml you've seen the sucker punch i'm sure yeah. got sucked by schlager you know the guy was never the same it's terrible yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I remember uh, 
anytime I've, I've brought it up with any of the guys, it, Mike Stuthers, who's uh, mm-hmm. uh, been coaching, uh, he coached here a little bit. And uh, anyway, I know, Mike. I, I know I see Stutzy in the video, and and uh, I knew him when I was a kid, but I I forgot that he was in that video. And a few years ago, I said, I can't believe you weren't, you know chucking him and he was like i actually thought i might get to play he said so i didn't fight he goes i thought it might be my chance he goes i thought the guys at fault may not play and i was like oh okay okay i got it but yeah they did have some extra dress don knockbauer ended up he was he was in there too i remember not knockbauer hey i when i play with the rangers and bergie fucking stopped me in philly right like you prick fucking you know i'm gonna fight you fucking you gotta stop me they put out dave brown Don Nachbauer, um, Baruby, Chikrin, and Cockner. Oh, wow. How the fuck is that? <laughs> right, you Pick your poison. Man, no. And we dumped the puck in. I went right after uh, Chikrin. And um, then I, I think I fought Baruby later in the game. But, like, hello, you fucking asshole. You know I'm going to fight. They got five guys that can fucking go. And you fucking put me out there to start the game. Oh, you know? my like, God. It's like, fuck you guys. And I'm like... It, it, it's funny, Lemire. We talk about he would never do that to me. Right. He would. He he he, he pulled me off the ice in situations if he could at home. They put out a tough guy. He'd pull me off. The first coach to ever do that with me. Wow. You know, wow. every other coach was like, just fucking hundred fuck percent. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to you know, trump. They wouldn't, they wouldn't tell me, but uh, you know, the the inference is there when they leave. And Lemire gave me that respect, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> we actually, uh, it's funny. I, talked to Craig Ruby this morning. Um, we've been buddies. We worked together forever with the Flyers. He was with the Phantoms and the Flyers and all that. But uh, he had a lot of good things to say about you. Uh, he said he had met you. I think you were maybe coaching a team in uh, Washington yeah. area or something uh, years yeah. back. And uh, he said he got yeah. to kind of know you. And he had a lot of really nice things to say about you. He said, one tough son of a bitch. That's oh, for sure. yeah. Which he, we knew that. He's anyway. a good man. Yeah. He's a good man. Yeah, couldn't have been happy for him. What happened to him in St. Louis? Yeah, like, it's <laughs> shit, that hey. was like fucking so awesome. I know, you it know, was. so awesome. Yeah, no, Chief is a beauty, man. Yeah, he's he talked right. talked you up nicely there. Yeah. So obviously, I, I figured you guys had cross paths, cross paths there. Oh, well, we um, did, yeah, for sure. The fact that you fought, you fought the Hound, your first NHL fight, and then you know, <laughs> what was your last year? Ninety three. Ninety two. Ninety two was yeah. my last year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, my last few fights were uh, um, um, Big Jim McKenzie yep. and the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. Back, back to back. Hartford, Chicago, we played. Fucking two monsters. I'm like, oh. No easy nights. <laughs> Not eh? easy. Yeah, <laughs> no it, was, it, it was getting hot, you know? Yeah. Who, who was the toughest opponent you faced? Mm, you know what? I, I, what I'll say, like I always say, uh, Browse is um, just all of them. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. of them. Every fucking guy who does that job, I don't care. I, I never class it, classed them, you know what I mean? Yeah, one guy's bigger. Guy. They were all fucking tough. Yep. Stan, Jonathan, oh, you know, yeah, God, fucking Baruby, Chickren, Cockner, you know, even Crazy Current, Brownie, um, you know, just all of them. The guys who did that job, you know. Yep. Fuck, yeah, who was yours, Riley? Who was your yeah. toughest? I mean, I agree with the way you're putting that. There's, there's no easy fight. Uh, I guess when, when I, when you, when you, when someone would ask that question, it'd be basically who beat my ass the the worst. <laughs> it would it'd be probably Donald Brashear. You know, probably gave me the biggest ass licking, um, you know, uh, of them all. Uh, but um, you know, again, 
between him, George the Rock, Brian McGratton, Colton, or you know, there's a you know Eric yeah. Goddard, and there's a you know, there's probably ten of them. Steve McIntyre, these guys were absolutely yeah. insane sized. So uh, I was undersized guys. As you were. Yep. How about McGratton? I, I got to ask you, was, was he fucking as tough as they come? This kid. You know what? I have a lot of respect for Gratz, and I and I guess I have a different opinion on him because I fought him in the minors mm-hmm. before that, and and when he you know made his debut in the NHL and kind of become he started becoming this you know bigger than life character. I was like, fuck, he's not that tough. I mean, I, I beat him in the minors, so we had this history. Yeah. I don't know if you remember back uh, what year was it. Um, I forget what year it might have might have been 06, 07 when Steve Downey had run uh, Dean McCammon in preseason. Remember that twenty five game suspension, that big mm-hmm. blow up. Yeah. Um, so Downs served the suspension, and the first time that the Flyers had played Ottawa since then, where Downs is going to play. So naturally, I, I'm preparing to fight Brian McGratton because you know that that's what I was there to do and not allow Downs to get uh, beaten up. So I had one of my best fights in my career against. Brian McGratton in that moment, and it was partially because I I knew that he didn't he wasn't as tough as the way I you know the way that the media presented yeah, it. Yeah. He was winning. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's he, he's legit tough, legit legit tough. Yeah. But um, um, it was one of those in my mind. You like, did good against him. Yeah, yeah, I'm like I'm gonna fucking beat him. this guy, and you know, it ended up separating his shoulder, left the game, and you know, Downs was able to, you know, not worry about it. But um, you know, I guess having that f- fight in the minors before that allowed me to guess build that confidence where I'm like, this guy's not tough. I'm f- fighting way tougher guys. <laughs> than him but um he obviously established yeah. himself as you know the, the modern day tough guy um for sure so you get him 100 percent props yep um but you know sh- shifting gears and bringing it back to you there tim i know you got to roll there two knucks in, in, in a minute or two but i'm good you're, you're good i'm good yeah, okay yeah, i'm good don't Be- worry beautiful i did want to touch base uh, on your your time in winnipeg i'm from the peg uh is a special oh, place. Especially if you come back as a hockey player, it's even more special. Yeah. Um, but uh, your time in Winnipeg and playing under Claude Noel there, I know he's a, a, a pretty a positive guy and a, a good influence. Yeah, no, it was, uh, uh, it was, it was coming from Atlanta was a big difference. Like you can hear a guy like coughing in section 300, like, yeah. Yeah. Right? you know, in Atlanta. And then like you go to Winnipeg and you like, couldn't go to the grocery store. It was nuts. But it was, uh, for me, it was, it was one of my, yeah, it was probably the best year just overall. Um, my experience just cause Claude was, he was a positive coach. And, um, you know, for me, he gave me a chance and he played me like how I guess, you know, I should have been played or not should have been, but I guess how I would have succeeded the best, but uh, I loved it. It was uh, the locker room. The team was awesome. The cities it's nuts. And I mean, I'm not from there, but I would come home in the, you know, after the season and I was like, I would go to like, I'm from Chicago and you know, no one knows I played hockey. Right. So today a lot of people think I just like tell stories on podcasts. Like that's <laughs> like, they, people don't even think I played, but I would come home and be like, why is no one like knowing I play hockey? Like that's how nuts it was in Winnipeg for me, which is just like how everyone's engaged and the, the whole town revolves around the team. And I know now it's probably a little bit more, um, you know, we were kind of like the lovable losers that first year. Not, and we weren't. We we almost made playoffs, but everyone was just happy to be back in the city, and it was nuts. And you know how it is. I mean, I could. I'm not going to say anything you don't know, but uh, yeah, the experience was great. The fans are great. I I do kind of go back there once in a while, try to catch a game, but I, I miss that place. And 
the lockout happened. I was going to, you know, was talking about coming back and, and probably would have went back, but I ended up going to Russia and ended up staying there and now I'm doing a podcast. So, you know, it all, (laughs) (laughs) it's funny. It's funny, Tim, you, you were saying how like everyone knows you, uh, Kevin Hayes, uh, one of our good buddies there, he, he, you know, he got traded a couple years back at the deadline, and he says, uh, I'm sitting there grabbing a coffee, and I'm behind a guy, and he's talking to his buddy. He goes, yeah, I don't know about this Hayes last night. He didn't look good. <laughs> and he's standing right behind him, and then the guys turn around and are like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, he goes, you couldn't go no, anywhere. And, and as, like, all, you know, just Canada in general, I always say this, like, they know the game. Like, yeah, I would, yeah. you know, I always tell this story. Like, I would go, you know, go to the dry cleaners, and the guy's telling me about, like, who should, you know, about the power play. And I'm like, yeah. man, we just talked about this in a video <laughs> meeting. Like, were you there? Like, this guy's exactly right. Like, yeah, you know, so – it was, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty special place. Um, you know, especially play playing hockey for sure. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's, I, fu- it's funny. He brought up Atlanta. Cause I was actually going to ask you that, like going from Atlanta yeah, into, right? to the Pets. No, shock. it was nice. And Atlanta was great. I mean, everyone, we loved Atlanta. I think, uh, you know, it was unfortunate what happened. And we didn't know, like we, there was rumors we were going to get sold to Winnipeg, but like, we really didn't know. And all of a sudden it was like, july in the summer and i was like i'm going to winnipeg right so um it happened like overnight it felt like but it was definitely a night and day difference as far as uh you know being in the spotlight for sure yeah a little different animal nux back to you uh you're playing nine season with montreal and then and then signing with boston what was that like Hometown. It's like getting a fucking root canal <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. No. I, uh, listen, my first year there, um, I I really enjoyed playing for Mike Milbury. Not many guys say that. I think some of the, I think Ray Bork would tell you, Neely would tell you. I love playing for Mike Milbury. Um, he he was that old school. He pushed you. He was a motivator, and I, I just liked him as a coach. And he, he got you an All Star game, right? It was fucking crazy. And I told him, I told him, don't do it. Don't fucking do it. He come up to me one day on the ice. He said, listen, I'm going to, I'm coaching the all-star team this year. I'm going to name you all-star. I said, you're out of your fucking mind. No way. He said, no, I'm, you think I'm joking? I'm not. I'm going to name you and I'm going to name Brian Scrudlin in Montreal. And the reason I'm doing it is because I respect what you've done, how you've got here, all that, you know, we always get all the fucking superstars who go play in that game. They don't give a shit. I'd like to see some guys who best at what they did, one of the best at what they did, get their opportunity. So it was cool. And I, but I'm like, fuck, I, I still was really ambivalent um, about going. And, you know, what happened is, you know, we played a shitty game. And Mike came in the room after the game, and he said, listen, you guys don't want to work during the fucking game. I'll show you what it's like to work 9 to 5. So he says, be here tomorrow, 9 o'clock. So we all show up. He goes through the fucking tape, and uh, and we're there fucking three hours almost. And he goes, all right, now you can go to lunch. So the boys are going to go across the street. He said, be back at 1 o'clock. You got an hour lunch. So I go out the door, and I hear a fucking basketball bouncing. The Celtics were playing that night. So I'd never been on the parquet. I mean, fuck, I'm going out. Let's go out and have some fun. So Neely's out there, a few guys, Bork, and we're all playing hoops. So we ended up playing fucking game of three-on-three. And I um, jumped up to block a shot, and I 
fucking come down on the guy's ankle. Oh, was a trainer. No. And I fucking rolled my ankle and it fucking blew up like that. Okay? <laughs> so they do an x-ray. Oh, it's sprained. I walked around for fucking a month and a half on a fucking broken ankle. I broke my talus bone in half. You know the bone between your oh, ankle yeah. bones? It's yep. shaped like that. I broke it in half. Wow. Now, they had me skate to try and see if I could skate. And fucking guys are calling, ah, you pussy, you're really nothing <laughs> this one, right? I mean, fuck, you know, my ankle's like a fucking balloon. I couldn't even get my skate on. So I'm thinking, fuck, I'm, I'm not going to be able to play in this all-star game. Sure enough, all-star game, I can't even skate. So, uh, I, fuck, I didn't even go. I mean, I ain't going. You know, I didn't, I, fuck, I couldn't walk. And... I'm walking around this fucking thing. I got a crutch. I got a, anyway, they end up doing an MRI finally, the fucking cheap bastards. And <laughs> they finally <laughs> did the MRI and they finally have a broken talus. So I'm in fucking Mass General that night, fucking under the knife. They screwed it back together for, uh, what a fucking nightmare. Anyway, oh, man. fast forward that season ends. I come back to training camp and they put me on the fucking B squad. There's an A squad and a B squad. And in Boston, if you're on the B squad, it's like they're rubbing your nose and shit. <laughs> and and I don't like the taste of shit and, <laughs> or the smell of it. Yeah. And I ended up, I'm out in the ice. And, and the, if you're on the B squad, really, it's not good. You're going down and you're fucking out of there. And I ended up, Bob Beers, I, I turned back for a pass with scrimmaging and he stepped up on me and I just fucking get out of the way and he was going to hit me and like I've been in the fucking league a while now you're going to fuck with me at this point 13 fucking years in the league so I fucking come up and fucking cracked him with my glove on fucking well they were pissed at that too so <laughs> um and Rick Bonus took over for Milbury and Bonus was and, and listen Rick's a nice guy but he was a fucking puppet in Boston. I, I Rick Bonus is a great guy. But in Boston, he was a puppet for Harry and Mike. And and things just went from bad to worse. Boston has that big road trip at the beginning of every year. And I don't play a fucking game. And I remember the last game of the road trip, I'm in Chicago Stadium. I get in the warm-up, and you're not playing. So then I get on the bike, I'm pedaling the bike, and he walks by me, bonus, like, I'm really proud of the way you're dealing with this. I'm like, fuck off. You know? <laughs> fucking proud. So, Lyndon Byers and Alan Stewart were doing all the fighting on that road trip. We get back to Boston the next day, and we had the day off, then we go to practice next day, two days later. And, Stewart doesn't show up. He packed his fucking car up and left. Gone. Retired from hockey. Didn't want to fight anymore. See you later. Packed his car and left. Baez fucking breaks his ankle in practice. Took a shot off the ankle. Broke his ankle. So after practice, I'm sitting there. Fucking big smile. And Rick comes in. And he goes, hey, Knuckles. He says, uh. You ready to go tomorrow night? Fucking Bias just broke his ankle. Fucking the other guy retired. Uh, I'm going to need you. I said, Rick, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, what? I said, go fuck yourself. I said, you want me to go through a fucking wall for you now? 
after the way you fucking treated me, go fuck yourself. He fucking walked out of the room. And that was it. I didn't fucking play. <laughs> wow. Shocker. Shocker. Yeah, right. Wonder why. <laughs> Wonder why. So uh, that's about, about two weeks that went on. No, a week it went on. Uh, and someone wrote an article in the Boston paper, Joe Fitzgerald, saying Mike Milbury, ought to, he's assistant GM, he ought to get off his ass and settle this thing between bonus and nylon. <laughs> and and he came down. I had to meet with him. And Mike said, Chris, you can't tell the coach to go fuck himself. I said, yeah, but I did. I said, listen, here's the deal. This started <laughs> back in training camp. Fucking Bob Beard stepping off me. I hit him. You guys put me on the B squad. Listen, I'm not Cam Neely. I fucking Ray Bork, but I've been in the league as long as those two fucking guys. And you show me no fucking respect. And I'm supposed to fucking suck on to you fucking guys. And, and, and Rick, you want me to go through the fucking wall for you the way you fucking treated me? Fucking see you later. But Mike said, you can't tell him to go fuck himself. I said, okay, so I'll apologize. I'm sorry. I told you to go fuck yourself, but you know, I, you, you have no fucking respect for me. You, you expect me to fucking respect you. Please, this works fucking two ways. And then I played, played that night against New Jersey. I had two goals and one assist, and I fucking didn't want to play. He fucking, he he, he wanted to bust my balls. He said, I'll fucking show you. He double shifted me. I was fucking dead at the end. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I almost went to him and said, hey, slow the fuck down. I don't need it all in one fucking night. Christ, spread it out a little bit. Yeah, right. But, yeah. So that was, yeah, then I ended up going back to Montreal and, you know, a little curtain call, and um, that was it. Yeah. Wow. That is wild. That's, yeah. What was what was the original question that you guys asked? <laughs> what was about his, I guess, his attitude going back to Boston where he's from, but, yeah. yeah. I, mean, yeah. I get it. I get it. I, I guess, I guess the original emotion was probably positive, right? You probably had to have been excited yeah. to go back, not no, knowing it was, was. going to be like uh, that. Listen, I remember the first game, I sat in that locker room for, you know, 13,000 people, 16,000 people, whatever, yelling nylon socks time coming there. And I remember before the game sitting next to Ray, because I sat next to Ray, and uh, I said, you know, what – um. He said, why are you so nervous? I said, honestly, I don't know how the fucking they're going to react. I mean, I just, I, I wonder. He said, will you relax? They're going to be fine. They're going to accept you. And I did. It was a good feeling to come home. They announced my name. The place went nuts. And But I got there too late. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was, you know, starting to question myself. And when you're doing that, it's not good, you know. Yeah. The first year, if I didn't break my ankle, I think things could have been different there. But, uh, you know. And I'm sure all you guys at one time or another wanted to tell the coach to go fuck himself. Oh yeah, right so. for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Timmy, did you did you didn't tell Uncle Mike to to go fuck himself? Yeah, he had, well, he wanted me. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, and I, he did he did something similar when I once I did he started playing me like oh, you know every other shift. I'm like really like yeah. Like, I, come on, man. That was hard for me to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I just, yeah, no, that was really it. I didn't really have any encounters with coaches much. But yeah. There there was, uh, I'm sure you guys remember uh, the late uh, Ilka Sinisalo. We've talked about this before, but he used to drive Mike crazy because he didn't let 
he was really good friends with my dad. So I used to hear these stories when we were golfing and everything. And he, he, he drove Mike nuts because he just act like he didn't give a fuck. He could yell at him, make you bench him. So the one night there, uh, he's telling me this story where he benches Elka the whole third period. So he's just been sitting there and, and the, it's a tie game and the Flyers get a uh, power play. And Mike comes up behind him. He's like grabbing him, you know, and like, you, you think you could score a goal, Elka? And he goes, pretty hard from here, Mike. And then the whole the whole bench is just dying. He goes, "Get the fuck out there!" You know, like but he just he never gave in to Mike. Like he didn't scare him, and he, he just he had a lot of funny stories about it. But uh, oh, that's great. I, yeah. I called him Uncle I, when I was a kid. I called him Uncle Mike. Uncle <laughs> you know, Mike. guys yeah. laughed, and of course, yeah. I didn't really know everything like I had said. But uh, pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty uh, good. Only only Knox could tell a coach to fuck off and get double yeah, shifted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty impressive. And so then awesome. you, you, yeah, so you land, you land up back in Montreal, and uh, what you play seventeen games that year it was just pretty, pretty much like you said, yeah. a curtain call, just to kind yeah. of wrap it up. And yeah, that was the curtain call. And you know, Burns, he was there. Yep. Pat Burns was in the American League my when I was in Montreal, and actually that's why I got traded. I had a problem with Perron. You know, he made the inference that I wasn't fighting enough and I should fight more and. Um, I kind of had it out with him in front of everybody in the room, and that's why I ended up getting traded. Uh, it was either me or the coach, and Big Surge said, you know, we're very good friends. And, um, you know, I said, what the fuck did you trade me for? And you, you you kept that fucking idiot. You know he's a fucking idiot. He said, well, you put me in a bad spot. And I said, I know I did, but fuck. I said, um, you know, you should have fucking got rid, rid of him. Fuck, I would have been perfect with Pat Burns. You know, Burns, he fucking, I, I knew Pat. And um, he said, well, I didn't think Pat was ready. And I said, you didn't think he was ready? Fuck, you fired, after you traded me, you fired that asshole fucking three months later. And fucking Burns, he became the head coach. Come on. <laughs> right. he, was ready in, he was ready in three months. But, you know, shit happens. And, and, and again, you know, it sounds flippant and it sounds, but I had to stay true to myself and who I was. I always said to myself, I'd never let a coach fucking use me like a fucking idiot. I'll do it. You're not going to tell me to do it. If you do, you're going to get resistance. And I stayed true to myself and it cost me. Like when I got traded in New York, it almost fucking broke me. I never wanted to play for another team. Mm. I love Montreal. I fucking was like it tattooed on my fucking heart. It, it almost broke me, and I, I'm not ashamed to say that. I was never the same player. Yeah, I did my job and all that shit, but it was never the same. Like, I was so fucking wrapped up in the, the Canadians, and, you know, forgive me that opportunity. And it was hard for me. You yeah. know, I don't know how guys do it, the traded thing. I fucking hated it. Yeah. Hated it. Well, you know, you, you, you played, what, nine seasons before? before you got traded there, right? And again, you, yeah. you, your, your heart is fully invested in, in the team more, probably I say more than most other players, right? Because you're not just, yeah. you, you know, you, you're putting everything out there, blood, sweat, and tears. So I, I can see that, you know, not too many tough guys stay in one team for nine years in a row, uh, yeah. you know? So I, I can see how that attachment yeah, it was hot. comes, right? Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Before we let you go, Tim, we got to ask you about uh, the Russian gas. Come on, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we, we well, got to hear about we got to hear about it. 
Mm-hmm. I want to yeah, know what it we, did. What did yeah. it do? I, I was. I still don't. I. It, it was. Uh, yeah. If I had Russian gas now, I wouldn't. Yeah. I probably would have problems. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, the, the old Tim. The old Tim. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't have been talking about what we were talking about earlier. Let's say that. Um, no. It's. Uh, it's uh, I don't know what it did. To be honest, it was. It was kind of like. They, the big thing, for at least in my experience, was like it was for you, you travel so much in that league. Like it's, um, you know, it would be like nine hour flights and some some games and stuff. And they would have it for like time. They said, you know, um, what we did is it's like you it was like a minute or yeah, I think it was only a minute, but it felt like a day. It was all you know, it's like they, this guy would pump gas and he would just like gas you. And you would like listen to music, and it was like you made a thing out of it. But it was—I don't know. I mean, I—I I still to this day don't know what exactly it was. Um, but it was—it uh, just kind of gave you a little euphoria, kind of high that um, you know was was fun to do. I guess I don't know. I I, I get asked this a lot. I, it, like I said, it's for recovery. Um, you know, games I score. I guess after I did, I was like, this stuff works. You know, but. Otherwise, I, yeah, I don't know if it was needed or what, but it was expensive too. I know some teams I played on that had a little bit less money than other teams. Like we'd get it like once in a while, and then one of the teams I played on, like we had like a traveling Russian gas man, <laughs> yeah, and he was yeah. definitely he was definitely like the most popular guy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we would do it after long road trips, um, playoffs. They had it a lot, and they just it was more of a recovery thing. I'm very uneducated on it. I just like doing it. And it was, uh, you know, I know other guys had experiences too, but from what um, the original question of what is it, I don't know. Uh, but it was, yeah, I, I recommend uh, you guys trying it if you can. Someday. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, right. I was, was I was, in recovery, right? I so. was in tears. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was in tears listening to you, watching you, uh, ex- you know, explain it, especially when you said – I. I can't remember if you said it was a trainer or someone you walked in and they were oh, doing yeah. it to themselves. No, he was yeah, he was, he was like sideways gassing himself. And I'm like, he was like mad at me because I walked out because like, we, we had an optional practice, which was like unheard of. So I took the option. And I was like, I'm just going to go do some gas. <laughs> right. You know, a little like, different you know, animal I walked over there. In and this, yeah, I walked in and he's like gassing himself and he's like, yes. And I'm like, hey, man, like, hey, I don't judge, dude. I wish I had your job. You oh, know, but uh, so yeah, funny. no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's it's part of the league over there, and I know I, I can honestly say it's not. I don't think it's anything, you know, like bad. I, I just never really did my homework on it. Yeah, uh, but it, you know, I just jumped in line. So yeah, no, there, we had a gas man that liked to do the gas. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't worked its way over to North America yet, so we're still waiting. No, I think the Russians no. are way ahead of uh, us as far as uh, performance enhancers go, and whatever else. The old B twelve shots, right? It's like line up. Okay, sure. But oh, that's uh, great, man. Hopefully, Sudafed. Yeah, Sudafed. Yeah, yeah, right. Sudafed. Yeah. You remember hockey's, those? Yeah. Hockey's a little helpless, <laughs> right? No kidding. Was that uh, was that big in your era, Nux? I know, like that was big in my era. It was like you know the mixture of right coffee at the end and, and Sudafed. Yeah. When I came back to Montreal, right at the end, yeah. um, guys were um, popping them things. Yeah. And yeah, it was fuck, some guys on them. Honestly, you thought they were on fucking meth. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know <laughs> all about that. One guy's name, but he's, he's fucking like, hype. The sea bass. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> he, 
he's already fucking hyper as it is. And like he would eat like three of them and drink a coffee. Oh my God. I'm like, fuck. shut the fuck up. I, 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 three I of them. That I didn't want to hear him. Yeah. Couldn't stop talking. Yeah. Or yeah. Or no, right. When, when, oh, when we like, were in the, wow. uh, we went to the finals in 2010 and uh, Riles uh, dressed every single warm up, but he uh, didn't get to play. But he was the first guy in the rink. And, you know, we were really good buddies. Uh, but he had his suities. He had about five cups of black coffee. This guy was bouncing off the fucking walls, man. And <laughs> just, I just for warm-ups. Just for warm-ups, and, you know, to patrol that red line and, oh, yeah. and uh, everything. It was so funny. We used to – the guys used to give me shit because Peter Laviolette is uh, – he was coaching us, and he's a he's a pretty hyper guy. He's always, you know, moving around and buzzing. And, and uh, I was giving Lavi these – Red Bull shots. It was basically a shot of Red Bull, like a full Cambin in these little miniature things, and he would have the suities. He would have about eight cups of black coffee. Oh, man. And sometimes I would I would give him uh, some of my – I had these – they were legitimate from GMC, but it's just like an energy booster. And he would give – I would give him – he would ask me for one. I'm, what am I going to say to the coach? I, I got to give it to him. But as soon as the puck dropped, he was losing his fucking mind, and the boys would be like, "Nasty, stop giving him those fucking pills, man! We're gonna be in the box all fucking." He he would have fought probably anyone at the, oh, before game time, but it, like give it, give him the like, hey, let's lay off the refs today, boys. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, he was the, he, <laughs> what the fuck? As soon yeah, as the puck awesome. dropped, Billy Barber was like that dude when he was coaching. It was funny, boys. Just leave the fucking refs alone here. Puck drops. What yeah. the fuck, Harry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pulling their hair out. Yeah. I'll tell you about Lavi. Um, when I was in New York, he got called up uh, from the minors, and Michelle Bergeron was coaching. And he was on D and fucking um, – he – Thomas Sandstrom beat him on a play, and he fucking broke a stick over the net. So, um, was out there again. He gets beat again. He fucking breaks another stick. Well, Michelle Bergeron. And this is the day I think this kid said, I'm going to be a coach one day and I'll never fucking treat my players like this. Bergeron fucking stopped the practice. Who the fuck you think you are? You think we fucking pay for all these sticks for you? You just get called up. You play the rest of the fucking practice <laughs> with no fucking stick, okay? You oh fucking kid. And he shit himself. I, I felt so bad for Laviolette. He was shrinking in his fucking skates. But I'm, I'm, I swear, the rest of the practice, no stick. It was Shoot, fucking man. hilarious. I can't wait to bring him. that up. That's oh, awesome. Oh, oh, my God. Ask him about that. I when will. you see him, say, oh, Michelle fucking, and I'm sure that's the day he said, I'm going to be a coach, and I'll, I'll <laughs> never treat my players like that. But uh, it was fucking hilarious. That is hilarious. That's yeah. great. So, Riles, how about yourself with the um, – I know you're into the uh, some some different stuff, and you do the yoga and all. I read the article in um, – uh, Rolling Stone. Yep. Um, the the cyclobin and all that stuff. How, how how has that helped you? What what kind of experience have you had with that? Oh man, it's it's been uh, it's been game changer, honestly. Um, so between cannabis and psilocybin, I went a different like a unconventional path when I was realizing that I I was dealing with substance abuse and just. Um, just misalignment, right? Uh, spiritually is where I, the only way I can really define it. And it was, it's kind of back to where we talked about purpose and life and identity. So uh, I, th I think between what it's actually doing to the brain, it's reconnecting neural pathways, both the, you know, the psilocybin and some of these minor cannabinoids like CBD. 
um, just you know helps. They're anti-inflammatory, right? They're they're neuro. They're, they promote neurogenesis um, to to the brain. So there's an actual biological thing happening. But I think beyond that is is how it helps you shed your old skin. Um, there's this like esoteric component with the psilocybin that. Again, um, there's a, a temporary ego dissolution, so you're able to kind of like experience your spiritual being without an identity, if that if that makes any sense. Where you know eventually yeah. come back to, and 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 then you've kind of given yourself a, a breather with the identity um, the component, where it now kind of gives you a different perspective of who you are. It's like okay, shit, I'm like I, I'm not a hockey player. That was a job. I'm not a fighter. That was a job, yeah. and you know, and then it kind of you start going down this rabbit hole of finding yourself kind of the what we talked about at the start so super super powerful and then the you know, the yoga is just complementary to you know the the, the plant medicines is because yeah. there, there needs to be action right it needs to be a practice to help support that and uh you know keeping the the, the vehicle healthy uh to to sustain the mental component and the spiritual component so yeah it's been a huge huge uh huge huge piece for me i'm actually going back to jamaica uh tomorrow um because it's it's legal and unregulated there, so that's that's where we do a lot of the work. I recently safe. filmed it, it's say yeah safe space. That's the the biggest thing is is it's set and setting mindset, and then the the, the actual environment that um, you create for healing. Right? It's it's it's, yeah. it's you're approaching this like meditation. You're approaching this you know with the intention to heal without distractions, without uh, all this bullshit that you know that that, that surrounds us uh, on a regular basis so uh we recently filmed a e60 documentary with espn that comes out in uh in october um and i had uh, steve downey actually one of my former teammates down there with us and um a couple other athletes a football player bo- and boxers and stuff like that to sh- kind of show the healing that could be done and um you know I, when we first started talking about the addiction um you know stuff at the start uh, i actually wanted to talk ask you about your 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 views on alternatives um to substance abuse issues because i think you know in the traditional aa model it's like it's like you know nothing you know nothing is acceptable right you have to be a buddhist monk almost yeah. to yeah. to be sober um, yeah. then this new age model i mean working with todd fedoric uh, with his addiction center here in, in south jersey and yeah. he's becoming more alternative to, you know in the thinking of well maybe we can integrate these plant medicines you know mindfully and intentionally to help get these guys off these extremely toxic and, and, and addictive drugs and then you know use them as an exit drug and then help you know use them complementary to you know traditional um talk therapy and and all that other good stuff so i wanted to ask your opinion on on what you've learned about it and how it might fit into this addiction I, model well i haven't learned a whole lot about it i've certainly had some interest i've heard people talk about it i've read some things on it um um and i guess for me um would i be open to something like that i would it's uh, i guess curiosity based yeah i i'm pretty feel pretty good with self right now. Some of probably my biggest um, issues are physically somewhat, you know, my, my, my mind, my soul is in a good place um, as far as my being, but physically is probably my toughest thing. Um, as far as head injuries, I haven't had a lot of head injuries. Um, I, I think I might've had one concussion in all my years, to be honest with you. Um, I have one, well, two, one in a car accident, one in hockey. And, um, 
you know, impressive. I don't, yeah, I don't know where that, that stands. And I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about it other than that. If dementia is, is um, a hereditary thing, uh, my mom has it. Um, I try not to worry about it. I try and just stay focused and get through each day, you know, but uh, I'd be open to something like that. I don't know. I, I, I have to certainly look into it a lot more than I have. I've, like I said, I briefly read about it, but it's kind of piqued my interest because I'm wondering, you know, and hearing that it's, it's had such a positive effect on the people I just listen to you and other people I've talked to about it. It's had a positive effect on their lives. So, um, yeah, yeah, believe me, I'm not the point where in my life where I wouldn't be open to new things, uh, you know, I understand that there's different ways, more, more than one way to skin a cat. So Yeah, right. No, for um, sure. Yeah. No, it's it, it, it's just one of those things that we just, we have to shift our perspective on what we're talking about, right? I think we've been, you know, fed a bunch of shit for, for a long time, you know, as it pertains to yeah. medicine and, you know, where we put our trust. Um, you know, I think we've been fundamentally misled around, you know, painkillers start there, right? I mean, we're, we're slinging synthetic yeah. heroin and, and we've outlawed cannabis, which is arguably the number one pain management tool of all time throughout history. And then, you know, we suppressed mushrooms, which, you know, are, have been, been roaming this planet a lot longer than we have. So we've almost like conveniently ignored Mother Nature. And then, you know, we've packaged up these these compounds, if you will, into you know, patented pharmaceuticals. And, you know, I, I think it's very, very calculated in what they've done. So here we are talking about alternatives, right, which is the original medicine. I think we've just kind of been duped. So my whole thing is just, you know, I, I've, I've learned from experience, right, and then, you know, then reading the literature to support it, it's not, it's, it's, it's not new, right? And I think it's just changing the way we view this. Um, and being honest, right, it's, it's kind of to your points earlier, just being vulnerable and talking about it. I think, you know, being a conservative guy and pretty reserved guy my whole life, like it, it's taken a lot for me to open up and speak about stu- substances like this, right, as it pertains to mental health and spiritual health and all that good stuff. Um, and I'm going to continue to do so because I've never seen anything work as well as, as psilocybin mushrooms or, or even even if you want to dip into other psychedelics uh, it, it just but mushrooms seem to be the most convenient um since they grow on you know in all regions of the planet but um obviously we've got a lot of work to do around the laws but uh if you're interested yeah. in more information i'd love to talk to you more about it because that's my whole yeah my whole shtick is just helping you know say starting with hockey the hockey community how many guys are struggling with again whether it's tbi related issues substance abuse issues uh addiction issues transition issues right we're all going through one of one of those few things if not all of them at one point right so um uh you know we'd love to talk to you more about that because that's really how we we make you know the the ripple extends you know further into the community and it's the ripple effect right just the more people we can help the better so yeah that sounds cool i believe me i'd be open to it um that um it sounds interesting no question about it Maybe, uh, too, we'll have you on uh, at some point here, and we can, we'll talk about your uh, experience in the NHL and pro hockey and what you're doing now. We'll get a little more detailed uh, info from you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, we'd love that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so well, we appreciate stuff. We appreciate really your time, stuff. guys. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you, Thank some, you so much, guys. Some great insights. Uh, 
fun, funny stories. So I really appreciate uh, you guys hopping on, carving out the time. I know. Thank you guys so much, no. man. Really, no, really you. enjoyed it. It's thank awesome, you. man. You guys do awesome. a great job. Also, uh, Raw Knuckles podcast. Check it out. Uh, you guys are great. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.